In this episode of Man Vs. Marriage, it's communication in our journey. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man Vs. Marriage. The podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Man vs. Marriage. It is I, the Q-Dog, in the Moran Family Studio with my lovely wife, Jeannie. How you doing, honey? I'm doing good. That's good. I just got another cup of coffee, and I think I'm starting to feel... The buzz. The buzz! Actually, I don't think I'm feeling the buzz. I'm just excited to be doing the podcast because I love to talk. So I here we go. you. What's that? I believe you. Yeah, I believe me too. Mm-hmm. Here we go. We're going to talk about our communication and the journey that we've been on because we're about to break you down in this, uh, I don't know, co- communication palooza. Sure. Yeah. I just made that up on the spot. Let me write that down. That was not obvious at all. Communication <laughs> Palooza. There you go. Now, what I want to do first is tell you guys that uh, there is a set of reference episodes I want you to go back and listen to. No, don't give me those excuses. Go back and listen. Here they are, starting at episode 78, going to episode 87. I didn't even plan that, 78 to 87. Um, But that is our series on crazy good communication. While some of this may be the same, it's a little bit different, but this this journey that we're about to get on is going to enhance your ability to communicate, and then we're going to give you like seven or eight phases of what to go through, because we're in a different place in our life right now in how we communicate, and as promised, we will always give you the journey of where we're at, and here we go. How did our communication start out? In your own words, honey, go ahead. Ooh, depends on the topic. If we were talking about other stuff, opinionated, hard-headed, stubborn, had a lot to say. You are such a dirty rat right now. I know. Get after it. Giving me crap about coughing. You're over there <laughs> on your cup. Nasty. I was doing. I was. I was sipping my black rifle coffee. Hazelnut, which is not my favorite, but I got it from Mo. They're not a sponsor. Shut up. They're sponsoring <laughs> my life. I'm sponsoring them. Anyway, yeah. you asked me a question. Yes, please. <clears throat> You're welcome, that <laughs> face. You cut that crap out. Um, actually, we talked pretty well in the beginning. We talked about everything. We were really open about everything. Um, it was very easy to talk to each other. And then we got married. Yeah, what is that? Because actually, here's here's the thing, just looking at it from my side. Communication was not an issue when we first got together. Until we had our first argument in um, the car outside of the apartment. Oh, I got to get into that a little bit more. <laughs> um, I'm looking at it to say, to say this. When we, that first night we met, we were talking at our friend's house. From that day on, there was virtually no chance to separate us. Mm-hmm. 
and we talked and no about everything. And I was working, and w- you would stay at my house until midnight, go home, call me on the telephone, stay on the phone until 5. I, I slept throughout the conversation. I'll just admit that. It was um, obvious. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would go to work. I'd get up at 5.30, go to work, and work until basically 7 o'clock. And then we would either be on the phone, be together, be somewhere together. And we did nothing. We had so much to talk about. And then I think it got to the point where we started planning our wedding. Dun, dun, dun. And some things changed. And I'm not sure what it was, but our communication got severely hampered. I know what it was. We had outside influence. A lot of outside influence. When it came down, when we were dating, there wasn't so much. You know, everybody's happy for you to your face. Everybody's, you know, excited because you're happy and you're excited and you guys are new. And so, you know, to your face, everybody likes you and they're excited. And then as soon as you say, we're engaged, everything stops. All the faces change. And uh, we had a lot of just behind the scenes BS going on. And it was difficult because we're dealing with family. Yeah. We were dealing with some of your close friends. Um I didn't have a whole lot of friends. I still don't. So we're good there. I'm an introvert. So, you know, it was mostly your people and then my family. But um, it was difficult because we could communicate with each other. But how do I tell you I'm pissed at your grandma? How do yeah. I how do I tell you, you know, your ex and your best friend don't want me to marry you and they think that this is a bogus situation and that I'm bad for you? Like, how do I... I have no problem speaking my piece, but when you're speaking your piece to someone who is close to the person you're marrying, there's going to be backlash, or at least you expect there's going to be backlash. And do I really want that argument between you and I when it's not our issue, it's their issue? Yeah. But it was my issue because people were riding my back over something that was just none of their freaking business. Yeah. And most of that, most of that happened without me even knowing oh and being perfectly honest when you and i first met and um how ingrained i was with church and and my belief system which is very very different now than what it was then i didn't want to blow it because my true colors now this is me to the the core this is me but when you and i were first dating i was trying to change all this stuff about me because it wasn't um you know cussing was frowned upon I have no issue with it, clearly. But back then, you would cringe if you heard a cuss word. Are you saying you were trying to make yourself more acceptable for me? I wasn't making myself acceptable for you. I was trying to change it for me. But then I also realized I was changing me for other people, not just... Not just for me? No. I was was doing it out of... Because I was getting flack. I was catching flack because how I acted, how I responded to things, how I said things. From who? Friends, church, people, when we were trying, when we were getting ready to get married, all that stuff that was being said influenced how I behaved to a certain point. So I think when we were first getting married, it was difficult for me because I had already kind of started giving up part of myself. Not intentionally. It wasn't, I didn't notice it until it started happening. Because if I go back and think about it, talking with my mom in my own house when it's just me and her, I had no problem letting stuff fly. 
but she's my mom. She knows me really, really well. And if I slip and say an F word, my mom doesn't cringe. Every now and then I'll get the little eyebrow lift, but it wasn't like damning, you know? But if you heard the F word, you were just like, oh, back then. Now it's just, you know, you live with me, so you accept it. (laughs) But it's it was different and then knowing that all of these things were being said about why i was wrong for you influenced the way i started behaving and the changes those were basically all the things that you loved about me that i knew was right for me i know and uh so you really needed this podcast back in the day so you could understand that you need to change yourself for you and i should have been drinking back in the day and we would have missed a whole lot of this stuff (laughs) I would have been a lot looser. Ooh, that might not be good. Dude. Anyway. <laughs> um, and immediately goes to the gutter. That was not what I was talking about. You're usually the one that does go to the gutter. Shh, quiet time. So how did we start out? You know, from my perspective, we started out wide open. But I was very opinionated. I guess now I see that maybe I was intimidating to people, even though I wasn't an intimidating person. It was your belief system that intimidated people because you grew up with that, if you do this, you're going to hell mentality. You're not worthy of anything. You're never going to be good enough. And it came from a faith-based yeah, living and a lifestyle that you grew up in. So um, a, a lot of other people, I think, saw that as intimidating because they weren't really in the same boat. Well, and the thing is, is that I know I've probably said it here before, but I never had that mentality towards other people and their mistakes or how they live their life. I just, I I was, I had that on me. Yeah. Like if I screw up or if I act this way or, and I don't, and here's the thing. I don't, let's just clear something up. I don't not cuss because I think it's wrong. I don't know. I just, I don't. You don't like it. I just don't, it's not my thing. I might think it every once in a while and think it's funny, but for some reason I can't imagine myself just coming out with an F-bomb, like, fudge. I can't do that. That's, I don't know, it's just not me. Anyway, my way, and and what I saw in my past life is, you know, God love my granny and papa and my grandma and grandpa. They would go toe-to-toe, not physically, but they would bicker, 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 bicker. But there were times where it went from bickering to serious, especially in Alabama with Papa and Granny. Hmm. So I think I caught on to some of that silence equals peace, but that's not true. Oh, Um, not living with me. (laughs) Because for us, it's like I was very opinionated. I was very rigid, set in my ways for myself mm-hmm. I, like I say I always gave grace to the other people I just held myself to a different standard it's probably the same now I would say we were both young and naive we were both getting input from people that maybe shouldn't have necessarily had permission to to give us input because it was kind of it was kind of contaminating our ability to communicate and learn how to trust each other like we should have. I mean, you get advice, but here, this is, this is a piece of advice that we really learned is if you have an argument, a frustration, or like a pain point or a pinch point with your spouse and you're upset, it's a great idea not to go talk to your parents about it. 
or <laughs> may, maybe even your family members, because what happens is you go and you share this frustration, and then when that person sees you, they only see you know, from their child's perspective, so to speak, and that's who you are. When you and your spouse may have resolved it, gotten past it, and understand that's not... You're still the dirty rat. <laughs> yeah, you still you still wear the cloak of the dirty rat. So we learn the hard way that it's not a good idea. Now, we, we both... It is good to have a confidant that you can speak to. I think Coach Rita became our confidant, yeah. you know, but she's a healthy third-party but She's you, not someone who's going to take a dig at you or bring up your past to take a shot just because they don't. A perfect example, and I, I love my mother, don't get me wrong, and my mom and I have had this conversation, so if she ever hears this, she won't get mad at me. But um, she has a hard time seeing that people change because of the pattern that she's lived with and yeah. been a part of. There are some behavior traits that might change temporarily to get past an argument or to let something blow over, but essentially the behavior always comes back. You are not like that. When you flip a switch to change something, you change it. Yeah. And if it ever comes up, I have permission to go, hey, what is this? Right. And quickly, if <clears throat> if I don't call it and you catch it yourself, you very quickly stop and you know what? You're right. That wasn't, or you'll come back and apologize to me on your own and say, you know what? I did this and this isn't who I am. This is the old me, and I, I don't I don't want to do that. So can we do a redo? Mm-hmm. You know, my mom didn't have that. She still doesn't believe that people do that. So if I was to complain to her, which I did in the beginning very often because I was ignorant and naive and I didn't know, you don't go to your parents and dump your crap on them. Um, airing dirty laundry. It's kind of like putting it on Facebook. You just don't go there. Yeah, don't go there and put your freaking garbage <clears throat> on Facebook. So it got to where... Every time something would come up or I would say something and, you know, Quincy's doing this, the automatic response was, yeah, okay, we'll see. And I was just like, whoa, that's stuck. Like it never went away. It's gone. It's it's more gone now because you've proven your pattern. But back then it was like, or you and I would be talking about something and my mom would take a shot. And I don't even know if she realized she was taking the shot. It just, it's so natural in my household for us to take digs at each other, Mm -hmm. but not realizing that that restarts the argument because why is your mom taking the shot at me? What have you said to her? What's going on here? Dude, it's just an ongoing issue between you and your spouse because now you've got this third person who can't get over their hang up and it wasn't even their hang up to have. Yeah. And it was a hang up. There was a point in our marriage where there, it was a hang up for me because I was in the house and you didn't know and you were bagging on me to your mom and I felt absolute betrayal. I mean, I just felt terrible because it's something that I would never, ever do to you. But it is not to say I'm not I'm not I wouldn't dare call your parents out. No, ever. I wouldn't dare call my parents out ever. Um, But it's a product. You learn it somewhere. Yeah. And. I just, that's just something that I, I have love, respect, and admiration for your mother. I deeply, she is a wonderful woman. And I have a lot of love and respect for your we father, too. We just have too. very different marriages and very different opinions. Right, and that's that's the case for <clears throat> every marriage. Well, it's, and you have to remember, too, my mom for many, many years was my best friend. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of friends. I still, I can count on my hand how many people I actually really talk to on a regular basis. 
my mom was the one person. I mean, we talked every single day, all yeah. the time. And I was the person when my sister moved out and my mom was going through something with my dad. I was the person she vented to. I was the person she talked to. I was the only one there. Yeah. And, you know, needless to say, your parents have loved and supported us through a lot. Yeah. You know, and have been there not physically now because they live in a different state, but they have been there for us through thick and thin. And I have a deep level of loyalty to your mom and dad. I, I'm I'm just, you know, I've never really even said that out loud, but just now thinking of all the things that they've helped us walk through. Yeah. It's a big deal. So, and you, you know, you learn, you do what you see and on through the years. I mean, obviously there were some bad habits in my parents' marriage because it ended. And my dad got married again a couple times, and he's been with uh, my current stepmother, who I love outrageously, um, and they found a way to get it right. And so for us, what we do is what we see, not only with our parents, but with other influential relationships. Yeah, you got to be careful, too, because when we had, we had people that we thought, you know, family or friend, that we would talk to, and it could have been just in a joking manner. We went, oh, well... Yeah, we were arguing, and this came up, and that came up. And the next thing you know, all the family members know. Yeah. And you go to a gathering, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, we heard about that, so-and-so said. And you're thinking, whoa, dude, hold on. Yeah, that wasn't supposed to be public knowledge. Yeah, so, so you have to be really careful. If you need to vent or air a grievance, okay, cool. But you need to know that whoever you're airing it to isn't going anywhere with it. That's what made Rita. Per Rita is family. Rita is my aunt. But Rita, when she's Coach Rita... That you don't breach that. That's yeah. Coach Rita. The family doesn't know what's happening. Yeah. And and it's very, very different and it's a safe environment. But other people, it was just like, Whoa, okay, I didn't see that coming. And there are the there are parts <clears throat> of my family that are like very, very open to the tune of every detail, whether it's marriage or health or whatever it is, they are very open and share it all. And I think we our, like our kids are probably going to take that route of we talk every day, we share every detail. You know, I had a bowl of cornflakes and there With was their 11. Kids, you know, I think they will, but I don't, there are a few of them I don't think will go beyond that. Because, I wouldn't say all yeah. of them, but I would say there are a there select are several, few yeah. that <clears throat> are going to have that very, very open talk all the time, very close relationship if one daughter knows all daughters know you know um or in that circle and i i look at that and i go that I, I love that but i'm not necessarily that open no we we have very different very big difference of opinion when it comes to that and we have you will find it you will have rifts in family relationships and friendships because you don't share things you being in the hospital is a perfect example there were moments that i was not sharing information and it wasn't because I don't want people to know yeah. our business. It was because we were going through something and I do not need outside influence. I do not need outside opinions. We have medical personnel in the family. I don't want your opinion or the textbook answer right now. I just want to be here with Quincy yeah. and I want to go through what we're going through and I want to be whatever he needs me to be in that moment and then we'll deal. We have a huge difference of opinion in your diet. When you were in the hospital, that was a huge contention because you have to let him do what the doctor says he has to do. You have to do what the hospital says he Quincy has heavy allergy. No, y'all screwed him up. Look, the doctor said soft foods. And in my interpretation, it was 
don't make the bacon crispy. Bring it to me. <laughs> and that's what we did. <laughs> well, but that was just it. It, it. It's outside influence, you know, using when we got pregnant. One person got pissed off and then the whole family blew up and it was like everybody gang up on one person. We hadn't even processed yet. Yeah. It was like within hours of finding out and we just had a stampede. I had a stampede. You were driving. I had a stampede of people coming at me for something that it's really not your business. I mean, cool. I get it. You're you're worried about me. I understand why you're worried about me. Can I process through my freak out first, right. please? Yeah. You know, so you have thing. to be careful with what you say and who you say it to and just know what your boundaries are. And that's the perfect illustration is creating boundaries in your communication. Because and and for us to go for us to go on like a a quick tangent, that experience for us is what influenced our communication. And and we kind of started at the point of what shut our communication down. And those are things that yeah. stifled our communication because there was a flood of influence coming in and we didn't have the wherewithal or the experience to put boundaries in place to say, okay, although this is my family or my longtime friend, this is as far as I'm going to let their influence go. And like for us, we got into that place where I, I finally got to the place where it's like, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm going to stuff it, let it go. I'm going to keep the peace because I think that's what's going to be necessary to make sure that we're good. And it backfired because then we got to the point of communication to where it would build up. You'd argue about the remote control or um, a TV show or whatever it is. And it turns into this huge argument about everything you've been waiting to talk about. Well, because I think what happens is when you hold it in, you... Okay, so maybe I'm not telling you that I'm pissed at you right now. Maybe I'm not telling you why I'm mad. But in my head... I'm having that argument. Yes. In my head, I am going through the process of, I would say this and you would say this, and this is my opinion and this is where you can stick it. And then you're going to say this and then I'm going to do that. And it hasn't even happened yet. But in my head, we've had this conversation. So when that one little thing tips the iceberg, that's it. Everything that I have thought about that first thing just comes flowing through the top. And we're, we have no clue where the argument started. Yeah. We have no clue how we got to the point that we're in. You know, for for us, Quincy's method was keep the peace by keeping quiet. For me, if you're keeping quiet, something's wrong. Something's really wrong. Yeah, because especially... I don't keep quiet. If I'm quiet, you know, usually my kids will tell you, if mom's quiet, run. Well, that's, that's their interpretation because it usually means that I'm having to process through something pretty heavy. Or that I'm really upset about. And if you were quiet and I'm thinking like me, oh God, he's quiet. What is he thinking? What is he mad about? What did I do? Where did what what went wrong here? And I'm already internalizing, trying to figure out the problem. And I might not be the problem. Well, the other pitfall I had was if you hurt me, I wouldn't communicate about mm-hmm. it. I would just take digs. You know, oh, I, yeah. I would make jokes about it because I could not say something. But I didn't know how to say but what I needed to say. But if you said it as a joke, say. it wasn't real, right? But, uh, it was just but, a joke. Yeah, but if I <laughs> joked about it, at least I could get a little bit off of my chest. But then it would it was not that I wanted to take a dig at you. I just didn't know how to say yeah. this crap. 
And so I would make jokes because I had seen another party make jokes towards his wife and figure that that would, I don't know what I figured. I can't go back in time to think about that, but it was the wrong approach because it, overall it was hurtful and it did not foster great communication. And it wasn't until, you know, I started to redesign my philosophy and redefine myself as a person. And then we sat with Coach Rita where it was we started to understand the value of communication. And it took us 10 years yeah. in the making to get to that spot. <clears throat> it also took us being willing and coachable by Coach Rita so that we could learn how to speak, how to listen, and how to effectively communicate. Now, that's not to say that we still don't get loose now, yeah. because we still get loose now. That's just being human. But there were so many outside influences, and I've never, ever, ever been one to go out and talk crap about my wife. I, I, Whether it was newly in, I've heard people close to me, family members and friends, talking crap about their wife and I just have no I have no time or respect for that. I think it's bull crap to run your wife down in public. If there are things that irritate the fire out of you or things that you need help with, like I say, have a confidant. You don't know me from anybody, but you can still bounce things off of me, but I will never go and use that against the person. Yeah. And I will not talk down about my wife to other people. I, I was able to develop that discussion or that avenue through Coach Rita because you can say something knowing you're not trying to tear that person down, but you're just trying to figure out a way to move forward with your spouse. So there are people or times where you need to have a confidant to pour your heart out to so that you can get some other perspective. I actually really just... You're my confidant, honey. Yeah. I, I come to you about those things, and we talk to each other about that. But I've never been one to run my wife down to other people or to try to embarrass her publicly. I've seen it done, and I've got Ooh, no freaking time for that. It's just, it's just stupid. It's, and if you do that— Don't ever do it around me because I'll call you on your shit in a heartbeat. No, no disrespect, but it's it's stupid. It's a bad habit. Maybe it's something you've learned, and it's something that should change because we should be building each other up. Even I know we're not all perfect. We're not where we want to be. But as a, a, a valid form of communication, if you have issues, take them to your spouse and allow you know these podcasts and us to help you talk through what's difficult and don't, you know, out talking about your old lady or, or whatever, you know, however that goes. <clears throat> so that, you know, that's just a personal pet peeve of mine. And yes, I'm standing with two feet on a soapbox when it comes to that. But I have no respect for guys who, who talk or I, or for women who talk. You know, there is a man haters club out there. Oh, yeah, there let's is. Just be, yeah, there is. Let's just be frank about it. There's a man haters club out there and it's not necessary it doesn't promote cohesion in your relationship. It promotes division. You don't have to be a hater. You have enough haters in life without being a hater towards your spouse. And I know that there are there are issues, there are situations, and um, there are things that are frustrating. But being a part of a haters club when it comes to your spouse is not going to be productive 
and build your relationship, right? No, it's not. Um, the other thing that we learned with Rita's help was going back and realizing what we came from. Um, I come from a home where everything is bartered, which is the weirdest thing to me, but I, I understood it once we were working through some stuff at church because it was, if you do something to hurt somebody, they cut you off and then they come back. And when you're ready to come back around, what's in it for me? It wasn't just an apology. Okay. I accept your apology, but what's in it for me? What are you going to do now? And it, it's one of those things that I've learned watching. And it's not a bad thing if that's how you want to run your relationships. It was a bad thing for us in the form yeah. of a marriage. Because if, I'll use the example, if somebody came over and helped work on something, they were paid with lunch and then a favor. It was give and take. You do for me, I do for you. Yeah. But I noticed that's how all the relationships were. You do for me, I do for you. So I'll use this example. We needed money for something um, when we were working on the house. We were trying to, to take care of some bills and, and get our home. We needed help. And I knew, I knew I could ask my dad. I didn't want to ask my dad because I don't want that hanging over my head that I owe you something. Even if I paid him back, I just don't want that reminder that you did something for me and I got to do something back. That's not how my dad saw it. Yeah. But that's what I grew up watching in every other aspect. So it was automatically programmed that if you do for me, you're going to hang this over my head. Even if I pay it back to you, it's still going to be, you know, I did this. So now when you want something or you need something, I'm expected. And that was kind of how it was in the beginning when we were going back and forth was, okay, sure, but what do I get out of it? You know what I mean? It was kind of like, I didn't want to be that person with you. And I didn't know how not to be that person because that's what I was raised in. The opposite side of that was if you burn me and I get hurt enough, I just shut you off. Mm -hmm. You're done. I can, and I'm still that person to a degree. There are people in my life that I love you dearly, but you're dead to me. I just, I can't put myself in that position anymore. But I didn't know the middle ground. So yeah. when you and I were navigating, it was like, but if I do this or I say this, that's a final blow. And I know it's a final blow. So I'm not going to go there. And then it just sat and it festered and it festered and it festered. So we had to kind of, kind of go back and look at what you're coming from, from a family perspective. What are your friendships like? What are your other relationships like? How, how do you, see the communication what's similar yeah you know because there are places i've and it took us having kids honestly for me to notice that there are times when they would say something and it would hurt so bad that i would just shut down and i could very quickly go into okay fine do, do it yourself and it's my responsibility i'm the parent i'm supposed to be the bigger person i didn't care you hurt me do, do for yourself. Don't ask me. I'm not helping you. I'm yeah. not getting this for you. Figure it out. And sometimes there is a place for that to prove a point to a child that, you know, you don't burn the person, especially if you're coming to me and saying, okay, well, I need this and I need your help and you need to do this. Should have thought about that before you decided to be a douche. But they're kids. Mm -hmm. 
there's a difference. But I learned that growing up and I took that method with me as an adult. Sure. So it's, it's, I guess in figuring out your communication for you and I, it was a matter of sitting down with Rita and saying, okay, this is what you saw. And now you have three marriages to go by. Thankfully, you kind of seem to glean more now over the last 10 years towards Betty and Wayne. We're a little bit more in that because grandpa told the truth. Whether you liked it or not, Mm -hmm. and if it came off harsh, he would tell you, you're not going to like this, but you need to know it. And he would put it out there. But he would also have that touch I think out of everybody in your family, he was probably the one person that I actually connected the most with because he was the one person that would come back when no one else is paying attention and you don't think anybody's watching you. I appreciate everything you're doing for my grandson. Mm. You know, I see how much you love my my grandson. I see how much you do for your kids. The things that other people didn't notice or if he saw me struggling, he was quick to like, slide something in your hand or in your purse and never said a word and if you'd go to say thank you he'd just look at you no i want to hear it your family period and he'd walk away but he never expected anything back he never held it against you if you did something stupid he'd call you on it and as soon as he said it we're good right end of discussion there was no holding it it wasn't thrown at you again yeah That's what we learned, I think, as we started getting better with Rita was, okay, so we do have an example. Mm -hmm. Because when you're first going through this and you're looking at your examples, they might not be great. Now, ours weren't horrible. They just, we all do what we can with what we have. Yeah. They were taught a certain thing. They're bringing in two different relationships and two different family dynamics, and they're trying to make their own path. And then we're coming from two different family dynamics and we're bringing in what we know and we're trying to make our own path. And sometimes you need a third person to figure out what that path looks like so that you know which way to go. Because if you don't know where you're driving, you ain't going to get there. Well, and all that to say, you know, I want to make this very apparent. It's not like we believe we're perfect. We've just... Oh, God, no. We've just got some tools to become better. And it's not just your parents or your grandparents whose relationships are influential to you. There are friends and there are family, like there are also relationships for, you know, that come from your parents' friends or your extended family where you'll look at things and see, oh, oh, oh. And those can have an influence in your life as well. And, the goal here is not to have you look at all your relationships and your communication and pick them apart and flush them. It's just to bring awareness to what you're what you're doing, how you're communicating, what's healthy. You have to decide that for yourself. <coughs> what's healthy? Oh, geez. Cough I just button. Cough. <coughs> quiet. Cough button. Quiet. <laughs> um, what's healthy? What's not? Are there some areas in your communication that frustrate you that you stay silent about that if you learn a new method can help you improve your relationship because the greater level of communication you have the closer your bonds are going to be the tighter your bonds are going to be and if you feel like 
my wife is the safest place on earth. I can share my heart with her. I can be vulnerable. We can communicate. There's a lot of freedom, and there's something that it does to your relationship. It, like, fortifies your relationship Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't have the ability to properly articulate. But it has been nothing aside from amazing for us. That's my perspective to know that I can now go and we can communicate about things. There are boundaries that we've put in place when it comes to communication and we make it a point to communicate. We've given each other permission to speak into and ask questions about things going on in our life so that we have a better understanding of where we are. And if something sucks, we have the ability to say, I don't like that. Yeah. We, we've also taken the route of, um, if there's relationships around us that aren't healthy or if they, um, they bring out something ugly in us and we notice we're picking up their habits or we notice, uh, an example, we had a, a couple that we used to hang out with quite a bit and I just, I never noticed it until I noticed it. It, and it, at first it was, it was playful, loving banter for fun. But it turned into it turned something, into something ugly. ugly and uncomfortable, even to the point where I was <laughs> saying to my friend, dude, you got to cut this crap out. Yeah. It's not cool. It's not good. It's, are you doing this on purpose? But then it carried over into our marriage Correct. because now this person's seeing things in my behavior and thinks that they have the um, permission to speak to you about what they see. Correct. And those are the things that you need to be mindful of. If you see these things in relationships around you and it's something that you guys have discussed and you realize we don't want that behavior between us and you notice it's kind of slowly crunching in. Perfect example. If you've ever noticed when you get around a group of people, you kind of adapt to what you're with. If you start noticing that you're adapting to something that you don't like or that your spouse doesn't like. Pump the freaking brakes. Yeah, it's time to start reevaluating boundaries quickly. I'm not saying cut them off, but it can come to that. In this particular instance, it did because it carried over into our marriage and it became um, very, very volatile for us. Yeah. But just be aware of it. I'm not saying go look at everything with a fine-tooth comb, but if you notice it or if, if, you know, your wife's best friend starts saying things and you're thinking, you know, it was playful, but now it kind of sounds like a dig. You need to let your spouse know and yeah. address it. Let your let her address it with her friend or him address it with his friend because you don't know. They may not notice they're doing it. I One of my friends will say something and then later she'll be like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that could have been taken totally wrong. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys didn't take it that way. But we know her well enough to know if she really had an issue, she would tell you. But in this particular instance, when things were being said, it was made in a way that was like supposed to be playful. And it was a dig, a complete and total dig or personal information would come out in a conversation that that was spoken between you and him privately. He has no business bringing that up to me. So just be mindful of those things and decide what boundaries are acceptable, what people are allowed in, what people are not. Nobody comes in your bedroom, period. Your bedroom needs to stay between you and your spouse. Um, that was one that Quincy and I have set for years from the get go is nobody comes in into the bedroom because that's not, it's, it's a bad joke, but I've heard it growing up in a conversation 
with a couple of people outside where he talked about his wife not performing to standard. And every time that couple came around, that's all I could think about was that he was complaining about his wife not performing a certain act to a certain standard. And it's like, you don't want that out there. Yeah. You, you do not want those things floating around because it will come back to bite you at some point. Whether it's a drunken slip or, you know, a joke, it will come back. At least we don't want it out there. You might have a you. different standard for your life. Now, before we close this episode down, what was the argument by the car? By the car? We were in the car. What was the argument in the car? I don't remember. <clears throat> I well, just, why'd you bring it up if you don't remember? Because that was the first argument that we had, and it was explosive because the security guy came out and told us we had to go inside and argue. We couldn't argue in the car. I don't even because remember Because the neighbors were complaining that they heard us in the car. We were yelling? I was yelling. You were yelling? I was yelling. Oh, I wish I remembered that. We weren't married yet. You were still living with your mom. Oh. I was roommates with my mother, okay? I wasn't still living with my mom. Okay, I was a paying roommate. Let's get that straight. Okay. I just want to make that clear. I wasn't living with my mom. To me or to the people listening, because I kind of already knew this information. I'm telling you, and, and by product, you know, by proxy, now they know. Oh. Okay, that was quite the conversation about our communication. And it did trail off into some tangents, but very necessary. That's how we communicate. That is how we <laughs> communicate. We rabbit trail a lot. We do. But I, I, I'm confident that this can help you look at your communication. And if there are those areas, dude, I know this for sure. I've never been a girl, so I don't know how they think. But um, I do know that me as a guy, there are things that I just won't, I just wouldn't have gone over because I didn't feel comfortable or trust Jeannie enough that I could communicate that but there were issues that were frustrating and we've come to the place now where I don't know if anything is off limits and I know now I can be vulnerable and share with her um, because I know that she is a very very safe place for me to say those things and I mean we've had some there's just things we won't talk about on this show yet or ever but I do know that because we have been intentional, remember, you, you're gonna, you want to do things intentionally, we've gotten better at our communication. It's been a plus for our relationship, and it has truly, truly helped us out. We still screw up, mostly her, not me. We still screw up. <laughs> she wasn't even listening to that. Oh, I was listening. <laughs> I was just not letting that go. <laughs> um, See, the other part of communication is knowing when to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Quincy. Yeah. Um, but overall, it has been nothing but a great improvement to our marriage. It's messy. Okay? You, got, you have to give each other room to fail. It's messy. But it is an improvement. And if you need help, there's nothing wrong with getting a neutral party involved. There are some neutral parties that suck at counseling. And then there are some neutral parties like Coach Rita that are fantastic. Or, I know you don't know Jeannie and I, but you can send us some information. We will keep it completely incognito, not spread your business, but we can give you another perspective and ask you some questions based on what we've learned. That is open to you. Of course, we're not... We have no PhD in relationships and counseling. 
we go to the School of Hard Knocks, which is our relationship over the past 20-plus years. Okay? Fair enough? Great! All right, there you go. Communication Palooza! How'd you like that? Have you ever heard of... This is a random fact, and then I'm closing the show out. Have you ever heard of Tenacious D, which is Jack Black and some other guy in a band? It sounds familiar. Jocko Wilnick was in that band. It was the Tenacious Three. And he ended up getting out of the band. They kept going and it turned into, I guess, to Tenacious D. Unless that pod, that post that Jocko put out. I don't know why, but that that was like a Jack Black move right there. And I just made me think of that post anyway. Yeah. You are entertaining yourself on a microphone, babe. I'm an entertainer. What can I say? <laughs> True. All right, guys, that's it. I'm Quincy Moran, Quincy W. Moran. She is Jeannie Moran. And this is Man vs. Marriage. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You gotta live on purpose for a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Marriage. The podcast.